G'day and welcome to Australian Transformers Weekly, where we don't really have that much Transformers news to discuss this week. We've got a couple of things to talk about. We'll be looking at a new third-party Bumblebee prototype and uh, some MicroMasters packaging shots. But we're going to talk about some other stuff. We're, um, we're going to go a little bit beyond Cybertron this week and uh, check out uh, check out other things that we collect. Or at least maybe maybe the other guys will check out and show us some things that they collect. I'm not sure I have much else to talk about, but we'll yeah, see how we go. Got a one-track <laughs> mind when it comes to these things. Maybe, maybe. We'll find out later, shall we? Ooh. All right. Off to the opening credits we go. Run away, Sheet says that this is episode 14, meaning that this is the bewilderingly numbered off the rails episode 14, because we've only done 14 episodes of this. But if this was the normal episode number, I don't know what number it would be. So it's all gone. It would be 170 <laughs> if it was regular. <laughs> weird, frankly. Um, hi, I'm Jason. Joining me tonight, we have Brad and Max. How are we doing, boys? Howdy, hey. Not too bad, thank you. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so it's going to be a Transformers Light episode, but uh, we're still going to open up, open up with the normal question, what have you been up to this week? Bugger mm. all, really. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't it's... just a Transformers Light week. It was a Light Everything week. I want to say that I had an exciting and interesting lifetime. I mean... Lifetime? To life. You're dying, Max. You're dying. No, no, he's having a midlife crisis. Mm. I, I went to the pub on Tuesday... And then I went to work in uni. That's it. That's my life. You didn't buy a Harley? No. That is a I, very I, oddly specific question. Where did that come from? <laughs> Midlife crisis. Oh, right. No, no. That would be a Porsche, I think. Oh, uh, yeah, that too. Yeah. I reckon Harleys are everywhere in Adelaide. I don't know. I reckon they're, I reckon they're easy to get a hold of. There's plenty, there are plenty of motorbikes, but I never pay attention to what they actually are. Do they run on batteries? <laughs> No, because we don't have those anymore. Do they do they transform into uh, robots? Maybe. I, I can either confirm or deny that. <laughs> have we reached the one-year mark of this factory joke yet or what? Oh, I think we're beyond that. I'll have to <laughs> check. I, 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 think it's, I think it's well beyond a year. I'm not sure. At, at some point, this is going to have run the majority of the podcast. I think it's already at that point. Oh, God. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, have, have any of you partaken in the age-old art of the garage sale before? 
The age-old art of the what? Garage sale. Oh, the garage sale. Yes. Time yep. to time. I'm attending one tomorrow. Oh, really? Hmm. We um we had a community garage sale here on the Saturday just gone, which was last week, of course. Sounds like a big garage. Well, everyone in the community registers and has a map and stuff, and we put our shit out in the front lawn. Um, Is this just what you guys do before hard rubbish collection? Well, I've had stuff out in the, on the front lawn for a week, and it hasn't gone anywhere, so <laughs> I, we, we don't have what you'd call a hard rubbish collection here. But um, it just... With things like Facebook Marketplace and other stuff like that, it, it seems here like the garage sale is dead. Like I made 120 bucks on the day going off what the postie was saying, talking to him. That's probably the best the t- anyone in the town actually did for the day. So I have a theory about garage sales, right? Like if you can sell something on Facebook Marketplace or Carousel or eBay or something like that, um, you're going to because you're probably going to have less hassle than having to open up your house and get people to come in and answer everyone's questions about the things that you're selling. And so the stuff that goes in the garage sale is just the stuff you couldn't get rid of. And so it's, it's, you're going to be lucky if people come by to pick it up because people already rejected this stuff online when it was easier. And like, yeah. I, I, I feel, I, I feel sad saying it because like, there's there's sort of long been this uh, tradition of you know a, a sort of a trash and treasure garage sale you know like one man's trash is another man's treasure you turn up and you find you know the legend the legends for us are like you know people turning up and finding uh oh what did someone say on the on the tcca discussion group today i went to a garage sale and they found fort max the um the titans returned fort max for 40 bucks mm. so like it still happens but i find that it's i find that it's rarer and rarer and like it really is the luck of what you turn up to. I went. I I decided to go around to um to a bunch of markets around Sydney uh, one weekend a couple of years ago, and it was bad enough that it put me off it ever again because, like, I found, I found shit. Like I found nothing, but I also found that the same people go to these markets week in week out with the same bootload of shit, trying to sell it, and like. I find the same thing happens at things like uh, Collectomania, which is well known to be a good place to get Transformers in Sydney. But the same thing happens. The same people turn up with the same bootload, the same bootload of stuff for four times a year. And if they've got a price on something that's sixty dollars, and you go and offer them fifty dollars, they won't take it because they are adamant that sometimes someone will come along and give them sixty dollars for it. Mm. And so they will pack that stuff up and they will put it into their boot and they will take it away and they will bring it back next time. So like, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what I'm saying. Like, I, like I find, I find that, I find that not shopping from the comfort of my own armchair is really annoying these days. Yeah. But I'm still going to head out tomorrow morning because. Uh, there's a TCCA member out in St. Mary's who is having a garage sale and says he's going to sell 75% of his collection. And I think I've already cleaned out all of the stuff that I want from his collection <laughs> the last couple of times he's done it, but I'm still going to go along and be supportive. Mm. Well, and that's a good event to go to anyway. Just see what's yeah. going on. That. Correct. And, and that's the thing. Like, I, I was talking to one guy, you come around, and of course, you get the people that come around four hours before the garage sale is supposed to start. And records, old bottles, rabbit traps, anything collectible like that, and just say, no, there's nothing here that you're going to want. Hold on. Did you say rabbit traps, anything collectible? Yes. 
Yeah, because I think they can buy them for a dollar here and then flog them off to restaurants and God knows what else in the cities for $100 to hang on their wall as rustic antique rural memorabilia, <laughs> shit like that. It's just, it's so sad. I have never been to a restaurant that has had a rabbit trap on the wall. Okay, okay. Maybe it's maybe it's not quite the cities that they like to do that. I don't know, uh, but like... See, this is this is the other thing that I find happens at markets as well. And um, I went to Melbourne a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, it was a couple of months ago now, and um, went around with Alan and Chris to a toy sale. And there was a guy there that had like you know a tub of Transformers, but he only wanted to sell the whole thing as a tub. People people will try to sell everything in one big lot because it's less bother for them. Um, and you know, you do see this on our buy sell trade group as well. People come by and they're like, "Oh, I've got this collection of twenty deluxes and I want to sell it for five hundred dollars." And I was like, "People are not going to pay that. Like, the private collectors don't want to pay five hundred bucks for everything because then we have to offload it as well. Like, all you're trying to do is just, um, all you're trying to do is just, you know, pass off the job of the job of getting rid of the stuff to the person who buys it. It's mm. convenience at the cost of, you know, not just." Like any potential money that they could be making, but just a can be, um, you know, ease of buying. There's yeah, no, I, no so one wants that. Like, I actually did buy someone's collection uh, a few years ago, well, well a, a chunk of their collection, um, and that person is still actually around, still around the group today, and started trying to sort of rebuild their collection. Um, but like, I, and I, I, I'll, I will admit, I did it because there were a couple of pieces in there that I wanted. And I figured that I could probably turn a profit on selling the other stuff. Well, that's sometimes if you've got that collection for sale and someone's after that collection, you'll do successful. Famously, going back to the very early days of TCCA, Dylan, admin, went over, flew over to Perth to meet Corey Gregos and paid in excess of just over, well, a bit over $3,000, not to go too precise with it, and flew that collection home back to Adelaide. Yeah, where yeah, where Dylan's made a habit of doing that now. He's, yeah. <laughs> Dylan, he Dylan, to... Dylan is quite well known for um, having some extreme collecting habits. <laughs> Dare we say he's the new Australian toy hunter? Yeah. <laughs> Although he's keeping, he's I wouldn't say he's hoarding, but he's uh, he's keeping a lot of what he's finding. So, but that's he, great. Anyone to flog it all off, and all of a sudden it's just like, nah, look at all this on my shelf. It's like, all right, dude. Yeah, all yeah. looks good. <laughs> I've, I've added a new wing to the to the collection area. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I well, I mean, famously, Dylan, Dylan built a shed yeah. to house his collection, and now he's extended his house to house his house more of his collection as well. So, like, I, I don't think he has to stop anytime soon. No, what's it's the, what, for what, what, what's the what's the most look look we're 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 sort of we're talking collecting habits and stuff anyway. What's the most extreme thing that you've seen someone do for their collection? Most extreme thing. Oh. I think it's just—I think it's just how it sort of creeps into living spaces. Um, I know, like, <laughs> that's, not, that's not necessarily extreme. I, yeah, I know, but if you I mean, think it's of, probably Dylan, now that you've now that you mention it, all yeah. the stuff that he's done. Yeah, Bill. Bill used to have some good photos of his collection in his house, sort of sprouting around, <laughs> coming into other areas as well. Just. Yeah, you sort of want to keep your house a house. If you've got a collecting room or something, I know John's got his stuff in his room up there, and um, it's sort of leached out into the into the land room as well with some of his housemates with their collections. But 
I've sort of I've kept to these two displays in my living room, plus the G1 display over there. That's also got the uh, the Beast Wars and um, Four Cybertron and animated stuff in it. But so you you you, me- you mentioned you mentioned uh, John Ryan from Queensland. Now um, John, I think, is in a uniquely lucky situation where he lives with housemates who collect, and mm. so like. So, uh, so like my housemate knows. I mean, it's obvious looking around the room around me that I collect transformers. And my housemate is always telling me that I should put some on display upstairs because I'm I'm downstairs in the study at the moment. But like, it's sort of like I don't really want to. I don't really want to encroach my collection on that sort of public space that's up there. I'd rather my collection stay down here with me. Um, but yeah, John, John is in this, John's in this situation where like he and his housemates can put their collections out on display in uh, the same area. I, and I think, um, I think, uh, one, one of the Victorian guys, uh, Ben Broughton also was, uh, lucky when I, when I visited him after, I think you and you and I visited him a couple of years ago, Brad. Nerd like, Mania last year or the year before, year yeah. before I think. Yeah. But, um, but like he was quite lucky because, uh, like his house, he and his housemates all collect transformers, and so you know, like they would all try and one up each other on what they could put into the lounge room. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the only the only one <laughs> the only one upping I can do is trying to trying to one up people online with the uh, the things that they collect and see what, see if I can collect them first or better. <laughs> That's a very dangerous path to go down. <laughs> oh, it sure is. Uh, look, I'll, I'll I'll tell you what I so I'll tell you what I've learned. From uh, collecting and uh, collecting and posting things online, right? You end up you end up buying things, and you will you'll buy several things, and they'll all sort of be stacked up together, and they'll all come in at once, and you'll open them all at once, and you won't you won't enjoy the you won't get the enjoyment out of opening them all at once that you thought you would. But also, when you post it, you'll get a few likes, and then you'll go you'll immediately move on to the next idea for something to post to get all those likes. And so you gotta be you gotta be quite careful about this stuff. And I've so you'll you'll notice that I've started selling a bunch of stuff in the last few weeks. And one of the reasons that one of the reasons I've done it is because um, like you can you can sort of see the shelves behind me are kind of a mess. Now you'll remember when I first put the shelves up that like they were quite neat and tidy and They've just gotten messier and messier over yep. time, and I'm, I'm less sure what my, I'm less sure about what I want my collection to be. And so, in the last year or so, I've developed quite a habit of picking up shattered glass and e-hobby figures, and I kind of feel like I'd like to, I'd like to do that. Like I'm probably gonna, I'll, I'll pick up the little guys that come out in the, um, the mainline generation things because I like all the little guys, but. I don't really like the big guys that much anymore. And so I like the legend scale and I like some of the G1 and I like, uh, and I like some of the shattered glass stuff that um, is sort of like recolors of generations. Cause I don't want my, I don't want my collection to look the same as everyone else. And so like, I've got a, so I, I'm, I'm looking over on my, I'm looking over on my shelf at the moment and like, I've got the, I've got the, um, the G2, I think it's a G2 Baldigus combiner that I got at TF Nation. I've got the eHobby Insecticons. I've got the New Year Special Prime. Um, I've got the eHobby Perceptor and I've got the eHobby Blue Megatron up on the shelf. And like, I'm pretty sure that that looks different to a lot of people's G1 shelves. And so I like the fact that that gives me something to talk about on that shelf. 
Mm. Yeah, yeah. Allowing it to become more of an expression of what you in particular enjoy is a really positive thing, you know, and something that can probably, for me personally, has helped steer it in a way which A, costs less, and B, actually gives me more value mm. out of it. So, you know, if I'm buying something like, if I'm, you know, going for a masterpiece uh, collection, you know, I don't own, like, one of the biggest gaps I have is Magnus. Right, and I don't have like any of the car repaints or anything like that, and so they seem like big gaps, but they're not well, figures. Is quite large. But... Yeah, it's a whole gap. <laughs> they, they seem like figures that don't, they, they don't appeal to me I, for whatever reason. I don't look at that and go, "That's something I want to own." It just like even if they're characters I love, and I think the figures themselves are great, it just doesn't stick out to me. You've got so, Ultra Magnus, don't you? Not, not, not the masterpiece. You've got the Generations one, don't you? Yeah. So, you, so you're happy with that? As, yeah, but even as a figure level, it doesn't do as much wrong as a masterpiece would. It's that, just I don't want to spend upwards of 150 bucks on it. Is that and a so character it, thing, or it's not a character thing? It's I, I actually love the character. It's, it's just a matter of the figure doesn't do it for me, mm. right? And at, for whatever reason, I. You know, it just means that I'm not going to end up picking it up anytime soon. You, my friend, need Citizen Tech. <laughs> see, see I, I have a, I have a couple of, uh, I have a couple of quirks with my collection right now. I, I, I'm, I didn't finish, I didn't finish my point earlier. One of the reasons I'm selling a bunch of stuff is, as I'm trying to decide what goes on my shelves, um, I'm taking another look at what's out on display and what's in storage. And the stuff that's in storage, I don't feel the urge to bring out and put on display. And so I'm like, well, I may as well sell that because it's just going to sit. In, it's just going to sit in my. It's it's going to sit in my cupboard, and I'm going to sit there and think, oh, I own that. I'm really glad I own it, but I'm not going to do anything with it. And so, like, especially I think in the last month or so, I've identified a bunch of a bunch of uh, Transformers subscription service figures and a bunch of shattered glass figures that I'll really want to get my hands on. And it's going to cost me like 500 bucks. So I'm like, I may as well sell some of this stuff that's not out on display and is not likely to be. So like there was a point a few years ago where I wanted to collect all of the the iGear cone heads um, (laughs) to to fill up my masterpiece uh, cone head shelf. And then then Takara started releasing cone heads. I'm like, well, I'm not going to bother with the iGear ones. Into storage they go. And it's only now that I've pulled them out of storage. I'm like, yeah, I'm selling you. You're going. I don't care. Mm. Like, well, that's... There, are, there are figures that I've got a couple of a couple of versions of now, and I'm like, I actually don't. I don't need all those. Yeah, and that's yeah. Going back to that point before, the if you, you like seeing a photo of that or what's behind you, Max, or even behind you, Jason, like someone just coming into the collection, into the group, or in a collection now and seeing that and going. Wow, that looks fantastic! I need to get that in the next month and just going out. We've seen countless times in the group, yeah, new look, members I, I, coming I in and just this as well. Like I, I see people buy something, like shit, I want that, yeah. and so I go and buy it, and then I realize, well, hang on, I only bought it because someone else had it. Yeah, well, yeah it's easy to get caught up in the hype of you mm. know one unique release or something like that. It's like everyone's just like, holy shit, we need to get this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then going to storage, well, it's one of those things. Are you are you Collecting figures, obviously, you want to collect stuff to display. Um, I, I mentioned last week when I was at Board of Dimensions where a guy displayed there his personal collection. He wasn't selling enough, and he just had a heap of He-Man, just action figures from across the last 30 years that he collected, 
going all the way back to a little remote control um, Danger Will Robinson's Danger, whatever that robot oh is. I don't want that. Send yeah. Tell me. I wanna, I'm going to go and buy it. No, I'm not. <laughs> but he's just sitting there. He's just sitting there while all the panels are going. He's just sitting there with his tongue hanging out of his side of his mouth, like just driving this 80 year old robot around on D batteries. And it's like, he, I was talking to him before the show, and there was only, he had a couple of loose things that were doubles for sale, but 98% of what he had there was just him out showing his collection off because otherwise it's in a glass display at home. No one's seeing it unless you're taking photos and sharing it online. That's what everyone does. So you're sort of lost in the crowd unless you have a house with wall-to-wall figures or whatever else on display. Yeah. Um, and, like, great. Some people can do that. Other people, married, can't do that. But let's compromise and everything else. And it's just to come in and see, like, Griffin's got some fantastic stuff on display at his place. But even going smaller, like, Jason, what you've got on your shelves there, and as you were saying before, like you'll keep on getting stuff, and oh, I'll just squeeze it in here, I'll squeeze it in there, and that's the same thing that's happened with these, is just you get something new, put it in, and then before you know it, everything's sandwiched in. There's yeah, no it's, space. It's, 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 not, it's something I never wanted to do with my collection shelves, but I've ended up doing it. Yeah, you're collecting characters and figures for their design or engineering or look, but it's a mash of just robots. <laughs> And it's not, there's no individual to each character. It's just, <laughs> so. And we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a little bit too, just with storage. Like, do you, do you keep stuff like, okay, this is rare. I can't get this again, or it's going to be very expensive to get this again. Or in, in four or five years, I, I want to move to a new house, build my own house, what, what have you, and have a collection room where all this stuff can come out of storage to have, or is it just, bound to be in storage for its life to say yes i've got it but it's off there in don't, the boxes you just have to wait for your kid to be old enough to move out of home and then just like well is, that's a that's a very uh long-term <laughs> creative plan there for the uh, the spare bedrooms but yeah it's sort of one of those things and that's a lot of the stuff that i've got in collections is stuff i've um collected over the years and i just don't have anywhere to display it that's um practical so it's in boxes in storage and waiting for that time someday in the future where I'm hoping I can get stuff out. I'll finally get the man cave finished and get the other four of these displays set up out there and start displaying stuff or see I see I, I'm I'm kinda of, I'm of the opinion where that oh, hmm, I'll start that sentence again. <laughs> it's it got away from me. Um I'm of the opinion that I'm like I'm not gonna have a collection room like a study that i can put shelves up in is the best i'm going to have in terms of having a, a a room to display my collection because like i'm like i'm always gonna i'm always gonna be renting like i don't i don't know that i'm going to buy a house anytime soon and so if i'm renting i'm only going to be renting enough bedrooms for one you know myself mm. well that's there's the extra cost of just having a collection room mm. and then just it doesn't matter what it is, like are they the billies behind you? What your yeah, shelves? Yeah, yeah, my yeah. Billy bookcases from IKEA. Yeah, whether it's them, whether it's Detoffs, whether it's these friggingings, Dis- displays are big, bulky, and take a lot to move around. That's without even packing figures up and everything else. And if well, you're also quite expensive, like those those mm. ones, those ones you've got there, you said you had another four displays in storage. Like, how much did you end up spending on those? 
I paid about $300 each for these, and they're about 1000 new just because of the glass. The whole back of them is mirrored, mm. um, and they've got eight glass shelves in them, but I'm only using six at the moment. So there's a lot of glass. <laughs> see, I see my, see, I've, got, I've got two big and one small Billy bookcase. I've got a, a, a set of glass shelves from Ikea that we we bought when we went to supernova one year and i was just like sure i'll use those but they don't really fit with the rest of my room and i've got a four by four ikea calyx um shelf which i think is what you've got behind you there too max uh yeah i've got the four by four mine's a whole mess of stuff as a calyx a two by two couple details some other weird thing i took out the doors of a bookcase i mean not i took out two doors of my wardrobe so then I could display like some larger figures on there. Mm-hmm. And then I've got like a CD rack that I've just used for like to like, display little figures. That's the little red thing behind you there. Yeah, it's a, that's like an old CD rack that I just repurposed. I think mm-hmm. mine's, it's not any sort of unified style. It's just whatever. Because, yeah, I, ideally, you know, I, I feel like the ideal, the idea of a collection room is sort of, I don't know, it, it feels like you're like hiding your hobby in this one little space because I feel mm. like you'd sort of want to, instead of just concentrating in this one little area, you know, if you owned a house, I'd want to like, you know, spread things around a bit and like, you know, have stuff like next to a TV or, you know. See, I, I am thinking of getting, like... um, I'm thinking of getting not a detolf, but I'm thinking of getting one of the sort of double detolf things from fantastic furniture and putting that upstairs and putting, putting like real statement pieces in it. Um, but I don't, I don't really, I don't really know what I'd put in there. Like, um, I feel like, I I feel like if I was going to put that up there, I might end up just putting like my e-hobby figures in there because they're sort of the one of the most precious things in my collection for me. And like a lot of people will put big displays up and then just put big bots in them. But like looking at, so looking around, like the big bots that I have are, Combiner Walls Devastator, the Jim Bow Oversized Bruticus. I'm not going to put that on display because it's like it's it's a hundred dollar KO that you know it's individual pieces don't stand up. It's not really that much of a statement. Um, there are like Fort Max, Trypticon, and Metroplex, but um, like I don't I don't know that I want my I don't know that I want like the behind glass things in my living room to just be those those big bots. Like I'd rather they were I'd rather they were something that says something more about my collection. Mm. Well, that's it. The lower third of that. That display there is those Titans figures, Trypticon, mm-hmm. Brutic, um, Fort Max, Metroplex is over there in timeout, but it just... Uh, the, what did it's, you do? <laughs> well, he didn't get back in there when I closed the door, so he's <laughs> stuck out in the dusty room. But it's one of the, like, one of the things like that. Mass, mass release retail figures that were made for kids to play with, they're not going to hold up to, for kids to play with. I don't... If you've got I, the original, I, 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 don't, I don't feel like they're the ones that you want to put in display. Put no, in no, yeah. it's sort of. Yeah, I'm I'm just in a unique spot here where I have a bad dust problem, so I need to lock everything behind glass just so it stays cleanish. I bought one of these things at Kmart last week, and I felt somewhat emasculated as I approached the checkout. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's only half the struggle though like if i had to take the that paintbrush, <laughs> and it's it's sort of one of those evolutions and one thing you can sort of praise facebook and 
Facebook memories for is just every now and then when you get reminders of what your collection started off and how your collection's grown as you've taken photos of just how you, how you may have started with a bookcase or even even some timber DVD racks from um, Reject Shop or something like that where it started that has grown into more things, detoffs are coming or what what have you, um, and how your collection sort of grows that way as well. So, uh, so you and I have been talking about this a little bit in private, but um, and like trying to help Dylan with his, but like I've been looking at adding some LED lighting to my shelves in the last couple of weeks, and like I need to, I need to sort of sit down and plan out properly what I'm going to do, and I need to actually do it really soon. But um, like I need to get out a soldering iron, and it becomes a whole DIY project. <laughs> that so i'm not i'm not entirely sure what to do about it yet but i really know i know that i do want to do it and because my i've i've chosen to make my collection display area out of billy bookshelves there are some things that i can and can't do with those and like the last couple of weeks is sort of the first you know sort of the first time that i've looked at that space and just gone oh maybe i should have done something else but like i don't really want to i don't really want to sort of I don't really want to be sort of regretful of it. I just want to, I want to do what I can with that space. I'm going to move a couple of shelves around. Like I've, I've, I had a little half height bookshelf that was uh, sitting off camera to my, um, well, to my right, but I, I don't know what, I don't know whether it looks like right or left or on the camera <laughs> at all. Um, but it was sitting sort of over, over in this space. <laughs> and it's, it was only the height of the desk. And I'm like, well, that's wasted space. Like, I've got uh, I've got a two by four Kallax style thing, um, and so I'm, I've moved that little shelf out, and I'm intending tomorrow to move the bigger shelf in, and just use that to display some more sort of sets of things. So when I started in this space, I had uh, I had the the Kallax four by fours, and I had like one masterpiece figure in each of them, and that lasted for about two weeks before i realized that i was completely beyond that number of uh the number of figures that i could put on display there and i had to start i had to start matching them up and now i'm sort of back at the point where seeing seeing your calax shelves in the background there max where you've got a few figures in each of the boxes i'm sort of like oh i could totally put sets of figures back into those boxes now and so like you know like, like look at looking at looking over here like i've got a I've, let me pick up the let me pick up the camera here. Right? I hope no one's. Uh, I hope no one's got like car sickness or something. But like, um, we've all seen hard Henry. You're fine. Yeah. So, um, so like, see, I've set up this animated shelf there, and I've set a. I've set up a shelf with uh, the, the little guys here. Nice. Um, and then I've set up even littler guys here. <laughs> and you can see off in the background there. There's like Year of the Horse Prime. There's there's some animated figures that are, that just didn't make the cut. There's the 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 um there's the the e hobby shelf I was talking about, and I've got another shelf over there that has um just sort of some random little guys on it again. There's the seeker armada which I don't really want to get rid of, and I'm quite happy with the way that's displayed. And then there's little uh, oh, little there's some <laughs> bigger bigger guys and masterpieces over there. And if I then sort of turn around again, again, without too much vertigo, so we can, you can sort of see what I'm doing with these shelves over here, but they're still really busy. Mm -hmm. And like, I kind of feel like I, I've, I've tried, and like I'm looking at this second shelf from the top on the left here, 
And see, I've sort of elevated some figures up the back of it. And I'm not sure that it's actually working so well. And mm. so I've done something. I've done something sort of over there. I've sort of got like Autobots on the left and Decepticons on the right. But um, it, it's it's sort of the the middle shelves that aren't necessarily doing it all for me. So I'm, I'm trying. You've to got that. To you've do. got that that comic Megatron there, second shelf down under Prime. Who's what's behind it beside that? Uh, comic Hot Rod. Oh, come cop rod. Yeah, yeah. So they all go together, and that's yeah, and that's that's one of the biggest issues you get where you move from something wide like a bookshelf or something into something like a detoff or single cubes or even just cubes as it is. Um, do you start going? Well, you obviously start with just a figure per cube because that's how small the collection is. But then as you start getting stuff, you go right. Well, this is going to be a record shelf, or this is going to be. 84 yeah, shelf, whatever else. I've ended up with that sort of over on the left. I've got, you know, I've got Impactor, I've got Springer, and I've got Magnus. But then that's kind of all the wreckers I've got. And so <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, what? Oh, hey, look, I've, I need a space for Thunder Clash. There he goes. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. Is, is, is Thunder Clash the only one missing from that wreckers? How many no. other wreckers are there? That you well, could so looking, possibly at this, looking at this, right? Like I could put Cup up there as well, but. I don't know who else. So like, uh, like I just don't. I don't think a wreckers shelf is a good idea, and I'm not, yeah. I'm not really that attached to the idea. They just sort of ended up there. And what I've done on the Decepticon side is, I think, a little bit better. Where like I've managed to put sets of them together, and like up the top I've got a shattered glass shelf, um, and then sort of coming down there I've got the e hobby Decepticon sets, um, and I've got uh, I think that's Soundwave. Up in the middle there. No, sorry, that's the G2 Megatron from Legends. Um, and then over on the right, I've got sets of Robot Masters Seekers. And if you look down, I've got sets of Insecticons and I've got sets of um, Reflectors and Sharktacons. And so, like, the Decepticon shelf works fairly well with sets. But then I sort of get into the middle where I've got Masterpiece figures. And I'm like, uh, I don't know what to do. I feel like I need to get a few more out, but I don't know where to put them. Mm. Well, yeah. to get more in would only crowd start crowding. Yeah. So yeah, there we go. That's there's my collection. There's my collection think, display dilemma. I think the thing that's sort of always impressed me more about your collection is that you can't. It's harder for you to have those more, you know, select uh, shelves like that are dedicated spaces because your stuff isn't really a lot of the stuff I buy is, you know, it, it's select, and I'm trying to get it sort of in the same sort of direction that you've got it but it's in it's still in groups of things whereas a lot of your stuff is it's it's always seemed fairly free form to me it's just like you know but that's oh, the opposite this... of what i'm trying to do no i'm like i'm kidding <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> I, I know you're trying to get away from it but that, i don't know for some reason that's always it's always seemed like like a sort of admirable part of it is that it's just a lot of it is this really high end or really niche and or just unique <laughs> stuff yeah, well, so see, that's the thing. That's what I'm trying to do with. That's what I'm trying to do with like going for like shattered glass and um and e hobby figures is to sort of move move that more towards a bit of a, a bit of a high end niche. But then at the same time, like I look at the animated stuff, and I'm like, I can't get rid of that. Like, mm. uh, like I, I put a lot of effort into putting the animated yeah, stuff on exactly. display there now. But there is amongst that, like it's got Takara animated figures with their extra paint. There's a botcon figure and there's a subscription service figure standing amongst them as well. And so like even like even in the the animated shelf, I've tried to be a little bit, I guess, kind of show-offy with the the animated figures that I've got in there. And like over on the shelf, 
behind me as well, there's two more animated primes, and one of them is Toxitron, and one and the other one is the Elite Guard Optimus Prime as well. So like, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to put things on, I'm trying to put things on display that are kind of a cut above what everyone else would have in their collection shelves, and, and like mm. it's not, it's not easy to arrange. No, yeah, I what I've sort of gone for in that same sort of vein is where like all my stuff is very organized and like compartmentalized but like the, the stuff that's like on the main shelf behind me there is all like unique things that maybe you know some of them aren't quite as like niche or you know super fancy or anything but none of them quite fit in with the rest of the collection mm. so it's, it's you know whereas everything else is really compartmentalized i haven't tried to you know get things and fit them into a space that don't really belong i've just gone hey i'll let this be a free form thing where i have you know like the terminator alongside some seekers alongside a way jang figure see you know? I, I know i know a few collectors who do that because and this is this works for them because they collect other things but mm. I, like i tend to only collect transformers which does bring us to sort of one of the the points of this discussion as well like we've talked a lot well, about what we collect and how we display it but we should talk about the other things that we collect as well well, just before we get to there, I was, I was going to sort of say it's sort of going back to episode 13 of Off the Rails from Christmas time. Uh, no, it was Easter time where um, we had a question come in of what do you buy because you thought you had to have it, then realize that whether it was hype or something, and <laughs> no, I don't need it anymore. And that's sort of some one of things like we'll talk discussing before where we've purchased stuff and yeah, uh, you've cooled down off it and I don't need to see more and it's time to go. <laughs> Well, so the thing is that in this in this in this hobby in this collecting space, it is way cheaper to buy something when it's first mm. made available as a pre-order. Yep. Exactly. And th- whereas if you decide you want it later, you either have to wait for the reissue or you have to fork out a little bit more money. Like this is especially true even of masterpieces, right? Mm. Like if you buy masterpiece figures from Japan then you can buy them at like a 20% discount off their normal retail price by pre-ordering them from Hobby Link Japan. And like when they're, when they're first announced, they have a price attached and the pre-order price is always percentage less than that. Hmm. And so, uh, yeah, like I, I, will, I will definitely, I'll definitely buy things on pre-order that I think, I mean, look, I think I want them at the time, but then later on I'm sort of like, I don't really know why I bought that. And like, like looking at, um, so like one of the things that I'm going to put up on sale soon is going to be um, the Ocular Max Inferno, because I, I I got that and you know like there was no Masterpiece Inferno at the time and then uh, you know Masterpiece Inferno came out and then Grapple and then Artfire and I've got all those guys up on the shelf over there. Yeah, I've seen them before. So yeah. I don't need I don't need the Ocular Max version anymore and like yes I've cooled on that. And like I did have it on display for a while, but like, you know, it's as much as people might, as much as people might get um, third-party fever. I actually, I kind of feel like the number of third-party releases is becoming a bit daunting for people at the moment, and I think people are actually just stopping buying them because there's too many of them. Mm. Oh God, yeah, there was a, there was a time, you know, back in like 2014, 15, when I first really started getting into it, where I would look at a third-party figure and. You know, just instantly go right. That's a must-have thing. It's got to go on a list of something to get down the yeah. track at some point. 
and like none of that's ever eventuated because you know that even back then you know only a few years ago there weren't all that many third party figures nowadays there's, there's you know, another one coming out every week yeah they almost out uh, hell you could probably make they may even outnumber official ones at this point i don't know you'd have to do a proper tally of it but it wouldn't surprise me definitely like, in masterpiece they do yeah, so masterpiece scale, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's sort of masterpiece and high end level of stuff. This just it vastly outnumbers what Takara's putting out, so mm. it's not viable yeah. to that anymore. And I don't think it has quite that same magic of it. No, see, I, I, I think, I think, uh, and look, I think, I think people who people who say otherwise have been kidding themselves for a long time. But like, um, the yeah, I, I, I can't look at. I can't look at um, the third parties next to official releases of the same character. I'm just like, nah, fuck it. I'm just going to sell the third party one. It's the third party ones, and this this will be controversial. But they're born like they're born of thievery, right? Like, and like everyone, everyone will go, oh no, no, blah blah blah. It's Hasbro and Takara, they're doing a disservice to the collecting community by not putting these fees down and stuff. But like, they are born of theft, and when the official version comes out, everyone drops the third-party releases like they're hotcakes, except for a few people. A few people will a few people will swear black and blue that um, they're better than they're better than Hasbro and Takara, just as all of the pieces fall off them as they pull out of their box, whatever. But like they'll still they'll still swear that they're better than them. And I I, I think personally, I think uh, Takara's really been bringing it on the um, engineering for the last couple of years, um, like Megatron, Sunstreaker. The, the Beast Wars stuff they've been bringing out, like they've really been trying to prove to collectors and stuff that they're, you know, they're a force to be reckoned with in the engineering stakes. And I think they still are. Mm. Yeah. Long-term listeners know we've, we've discussed this <laughs> to, to far ends previously. And yeah, it's sort of that tipping point now where it's good to see, and we even mentioned it from NYCC, just how many third-party companies are sort of moving away from G1 characters or the core G1 characters and sort of doing their own thing, doing more obscure stuff that, hey, Takara might not do for 10 or 20 years and you can have it as a stand-in in your collection if you really want that character or that team. Um, yeah, it, like, like I think a lot of people have been using third-party figures as stand-ins for a long time until the official thing comes along. And then, you know, like, even, if, even if the official thing might not be as good, um, they're still going to swap it out for the official one, mm. unless, well, they're, unless they're like the five or ten percent of people who won't. What I do think is interesting though is that I feel like there is one company whose figures are immune to the replacement syndrome, and I think there's a very good reason for it, and it's MMC because oh. MMC is not doing the G1 representations of these characters; they're doing the comic representations of them, and there's never going to be a masterpiece comic design Megatron, and so. MMC's got this market. They've they've stitched up this market of you know what you know how they're going to do it. And like other companies have sort of dabbled in there. Like um, I think is it uh, G Creation has an IDW style Optimus Prime, or someone does, or Unique Toys, or someone. And it's like that's good, that's good. But like and and also I think MMC hasn't actually done an Optimus Prime figure. But they're they're more focused on they're more focused on the 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 characters that are less likely to get figures made of them in the first place anyway. And so um, I, I find because the MMC figures have that comic book styling, 
they don't get replaced when new versions of these figures come out. And so like, um, you know, like the, the, the MMC masterpiece, or the, not masterpiece, the MMC Megatron is on my shelf right above masterpiece Megatron, because I feel like there's a place for both of them in my yeah. collection. And in those sort of situations, you know, I think that there was, I feel like, a... Oh, Max. Oh, no. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, no, there we go. He's on You're going to have to say it again, Max. Yeah, repeat. <laughs> what? You, you, you froze. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I mean, so it's the sort of thing where there's not going to be the same discussion with those sort of figures as we would ordinarily have. You know, it's a whole thing of like, you know, Mitron versus Despotron versus MP36 and the same deal with Inferno and all that. But no one is ever going to, you know, compare... MMC's Megatron to MP36. No. Because they're so far removed from each other in terms of, you know, production level, design identity, you know, cost, everything. It's two completely separate areas of Transformers collecting. It really makes me wonder, like, you know, it, it's, a, it's easy to look at this now, and especially because we're, like, literally weeks away from the end of the IDW, um, you know, shared Hasbroverse, not just Transformers. But should should MMC have actually gone for a license and just like said, hey, you know, like we actually can do all of this stuff and we can we can remove the the desire from the fans for you to do it by us doing it and you know give us a license to do it. And like I think Hasbro, Flame Hasbro, Toys has stepped in on that, haven't they? Well like yeah they kind of have but their figures aren't transformable. I was going to say, not, wouldn't... they're not accessible either. Is the other thing? Yeah, that, well, that's that's true as well because they're like a few hundred dollars each, whereas the MMC figures, you know, like a hundred to hundred to two hundred, depending on the size of them. But you know, like Hasbro knows Hasbro knows about all the third parties. Like they know about. Oh them. yeah, they, turn, they willfully turn a blind eye to them because, like, it is a game of it is a game of whack a mole, and, and like you know, like it's fun for us to sit here and just sort of go, oh, you know, it's because you know they own them all, and like they really don't. But it is fun to put out that conspiracy theory. Yeah, but the only the only time I ever take any action is to be like, oh yeah, can you guys please not sell these at a botcon? Because yeah, it's, the it's only the, reason they don't, for... they don't actually have that they don't have that clout anymore because they don't no. have botcon. They only no. do hascon once every yeah. two years, and, and no one's gonna sell it at hascon. Yeah, well, also I don't, I don't actually I don't know what happens deal wise at, at hascon. Like I kind of feel like there's one company in town making Hasbro toys, mm-hmm. but the uh, so like there was there were third party figures and um i don't know if there were ko's but there were definitely oh, third- there'd be a couple oh, was, stuck in if, there. You, if you let me finish okay. um at tf nation so uh, like like there were third parties obviously but I, I don't think it was a case of like someone willfully saying hey i've got ko's of things here and so like there's sort of a there's sort of a uh, respect at least among the dealers there that they're like they're not going to come in and sell cheap knockoff toys but also like i mean we've talked about this before as well like ko's in the in the transformers community are a very hard thing to nail down because they take many forms some of them are just straight up rip-offs mm. and some of them are enhanced rip-offs that might be better than the original and like yeah. there's definitely both around but in general like you're kind of like when, like it's it's not it's not called KO because like they're all high quality, right? No. Well, you, mean, you wanted to talk later about you know how our interests differ aside from Transformers. Well, the thing with KOs, um, 
is that they have such a different approach within the Transformers fan base to in any other sort of collecting community. Like there is, I think some of them do, but some of them don't. Like a KO is a KO is a KO is a KO. But like there is a, I, I, I think ultimately if you sit someone down in front of a computer, they want to make something that they can be proud of, right? And so if someone's going to KO something, then I think there's a desire among the, the companies that make KOs to make something better. And like there, there's a desire somewhere in there that some of them, they just want to make a bit of money by pretending to be something else, right? Like you manufacture something for $2 and you sell it for 10 and you're doing all right when the official price is 30. Mm-hmm. And so like they are literally just trying to make money off like, like they're, they're barnacles, right? But then there are, there are, I think there are people within those companies that actually do desire to make something better. And maybe, maybe they persuade some, someone in a, in a management role somewhere to actually give them a chance and design something and mold it to the, to you know their own specs and see whether or not they can sell it. Like we know that Wei Jang makes complete and total knockoffs of everything, but we know that they also make really, you know, really high quality oversizes with in, extra engineering and die cast parts where the originals were there. Yeah. To the point where you get stuff like the bloody designer signing the box of a knockoff. <laughs> but, but, so this, but this is the thing that I find really funny though, is that like you can walk through Paddy's markets in Sydney and <laughs> go into the toy stores that sell all the cheap shit toys that are like, you know, it's like when you get a, a box of DC heroes and it's got Spider-Man and Thor in it or something like that. And you go in there and those things are fucking made by Weijang. Mm. But what I find astonishing now is that there are people in there are people in our Facebook group who go to Patty's markets and they see that and they're like, "Oh my god, Wei Zhang took a break from manufacturing awesome quality products <laughs> that I know, and they made this cheap shit one. Oh wow, they, they really are diverse." <laughs> like, no, <laughs> no, they're not. Like that—that's what they do. It's just that the thing that you're so into and so one-eyed, passionate about is like the thing that they spend 5% of their effort on. Yeah. Yeah, you're only just noticing this now. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we've, we, yeah, we've talked about the, the the highs and the low lows of Weijing in the past. It's just, yeah, you can get you can get some figures like the the oversized Age of Extinction Prime and go, wow, this is fantastic. And then next minute have a, a KO. And, and next minute they make a pink Grimlock. Yeah, and it's... <laughs> You transform it, and the arms and legs fall off, never to be mm-hmm. reattached to cane. It's just, yeah. What what happens? What happens in the factory? The engineering design, the company, it just makes you wonder sometimes. It it does, and I also think I also think it's worth considering that um, these companies are not companies as we might think of where there's like a, oh, you know, a designer yeah. and a production manager and a financial person or something. Like it's literally like you know, one or two guys who have like, you know, bought themselves a factory and they're just knocking shit off. Well, they hardly exist in the legal sense. Yeah, I'd say say it's five people and they they pay a factory some money to print some or mold some plastic. Well, so we we do know that um, we do know from some of the chats that we've had with some people in the in the industry that a lot of the third party companies all get their stuff manufactured in the same factory Mm. and. That factory, I, I can say I've been told, is the one that's behind CHMS, which is the company that makes a lot of Generations KOs. Now, CHMS has been really quiet for a while, but 
you know, maybe, maybe, maybe they're working more with Wei Jiang on their stuff, but, mm. um, but like the guy, the guy runs this factory still and so like, he's making money because he's manufacturing fans toys stuff for them. So like, you know, the, the rise of third party companies means that CHMS doesn't need, doesn't really have that much access to their own production line anymore. Yeah. Well, also it's, it would not surprise me in the slightest if some bloke, you know, some of the guys at CHMS were like, Hey, what if we just made our own figures? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and like, you know, I, I think there's, I think if you're closer into the industry and I think it's really hard, I think it's really hard for us sitting in Australia to be closer into an industry where like there's such a language barrier as well. But I think what you find is that there's a lot of, I don't know. Like, I, I'm, I'm just going to say like, it's a very incestuous industry. But like that's not really what I mean. But like I think, I think a lot. I think a lot of people. I think a lot of people know each other in the in the KO and the third party space. And like we know that we know that designers sort of flit around from third party to third party because we know that companies decide that they're going to make a figure and they solicit designs from people. And then all the all the ones that they don't select go off to other companies, which is why you get a run of jazzers all at the same time. It's why you get a run of devastators all at the same time because someone. Someone by Jove Jollywell des- designed it, and they want to see the bloody thing manufactured, so they'll shop it around to everyone. Yeah, at the height of that popularity, we had fourteen companies doing de- uh, Dinobots. Yep, yep, and that's that's that's, that's as crazy as it's ever got. It's dropped off a fair bit from that, and I'd say half of those Dinobots haven't seen the light of day. But still, <laughs> just I hate the fact that it's an accurate number as well. <laughs> like, not even exaggerating. <laughs> I, I, I hate the fact that Brad actually has given an accurate statistic on something because, like, I normally like to give him shit for not being correct. <laughs> oh well, I was going to say two point six million, but I thought I'll, I thought I'd play it straight. <laughs> right. Still accurate, but yes. Yeah. Um. So, like, we we keep alluding to this. We're going to talk about other other things <laughs> that we collect. So, like, time's Brad, ticking away. The show's over, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It <laughs> Brad, why don't, why don't you talk to us about some of the stuff that you collect? Well, I suppose it all it all stemmed out of 2007 with that first movie, and that's where the, the re-collecting sort of started again. Yes, it was Transformers for those couple of years, and unfortunately, yes, it was going near complete, especially on Revenge of the Fallen, where I was buying chess sets, war clocks, Easter egg tins. <laughs> God, oh, no. that, yeah. Um, but I've settled a little bit from then and uh, moved off into some other things. Um, Jason, you got some photos there. I think my biggest um, aim and goal at the moment and probably my number one fandom is Jurassic Park and at this point probably always will be. I got I, so you, you said I've got some photos. I have put one up on my um, screen share. <laughs> if, you can, if, you can, if you can put the, the screen share on, um, yep. we'll the Jurassic Park popcorn bag. And like, oh. <laughs> i got to ask, why did you not photograph the other side of it? It's not on the screen. I don't see your face. <laughs> oh, you know why? Because I actually forgot to turn on my screen share. But give me a second. Give me a second. I'll put it on. <laughs> okay. Can you see my screen? There we go. Okay. There we go. Why did, why did you not photograph the other side of the bag? I'm guessing the other side of the bag is exactly the same. <laughs> no, but, but like this is clearly like one side of the, the popcorn bag folded over. It's covering, yeah. it's covering the Jurassic Park logo. <laughs> Poor choice. Anyway, uh, so I, I gotta say, I have I have a friend who runs a website called OzCinemaCups.com, mm-hmm. and he would be especially interested in this hall of Jurassic Park cups. Mm. 
it's just it's something I probably got probably five years ago in an eBay lot. Um, obviously, it's all in the box I got it from. <laughs> but um, just just stuff like Hungry Jacks tie-ins. I I don't recall if Hungry Jacks was even in Australia in nineteen ninety three. Hungry Jacks is Australian. Well, was no, the franchise no, 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 Burger King? Yes, the, Burger King. Yeah, yeah. If you see something from Hungry Jacks, it's from Australia. Yeah. Was, well, so, so what you're thinking of is that there was a point where Hungry Jacks was in deep financial shit <laughs> and stopped expanding their franchises and Burger King actually moved into Australia as a way of expanding the franchise. But Hungry Jacks then sued Burger King for stepping on the <laughs> franchise arrangement that they had and kicked them out of Australia and took over their stores. There you go. <laughs> so Hungry Jack's definitely Australian. Uh, and I'm I'm sure that they did a Jurassic Park time because I see a Hungry Jack's cup with Jurassic yeah. Park on it. Yep, I've had I've had an offer for hundred dollars for that cup. <laughs> just <Wow. laughs> just this is the part of history. Well, it's right. yes, you've got you've got figures now that are being released that yes, it's gonna cost more money, but you can find them. Stuff like takeaway containers from twenty six years ago, it's just you can't that stuff's not being reproduced. It's not. There's not a lot of stuff in circulation. It's eaten. It's consumed. It's thrown out. Can Can I just point out? I'm really expi- I'm really like excited by the uh, '90s marketing speak on these hubs. Oh. Get your claws on it before it becomes extinct. <laughs> <laughs> but like someone was very happy with that because they put it on three products. Yeah, marketing. That's marketing for you. <laughs> yeah, it's bloody '90s. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Should we move on? Yeah, but just yeah, sort of rarities like hey, that. Brad, it's a picture of you. Yeah, here we go into that rare stuff, and we'll talk on last week about um, that force suit <laughs> that I was trying to flog off at Border Dimensions, and that's I sort of dipped my toe into the Hot Toys stuff. Mm-hmm. Had, I had a couple of Iron Men, so I had the Gantry set and Catwoman. The do, um, do you know, do you know why? I, I, do you know why I just can't do Hot Toys, especially where they do Iron Man? Because they just they just come up with a new one every week. I'm like someone someone uh, someone posted a picture of their new one, and it's like the Mark Forty Three suit, and I'm like, this wasn't even in the movie, but you've you've got a toy of it that you're going to make people pay several hundred dollars for. Yeah, they've done literally every single suit and multiple versions of each. <laughs> but and, and, all, and also the thing, and like. Well, well, may the the Hot Toys fans descend upon me and like vilify me, but like, you know what? It's not that hard to do Iron Man because you don't actually have to sculpt the face, you don't have to sculpt arms or expressions or anything like that. And so, like, you can you can knock out a bunch of Iron Man and uh, keep milking that franchise for years. Mm. And that's and especially when you got like, especially once Iron Man Three come out and you had right, we got the forty two suits. Yeah. We're going to do all these. You got some like Igor and others that are speciality suits, but you got others like the Silver Centurion. He's got spikes in his arms. We'll just mm. put that in the Mark Five or whatever. It's just like we're going to make a new suit because it has a new feature and it's definitely to sell toys. But it doesn't make sense why Tony would have forty two suits and. I'm not even going to go into Infinity War and the disgrace of but, that. But, but also, but, like, I don't have space for 42. Iron oh, on my plus, who does? Plus, plus to put them in the little Hall of Armor cases that you mm-hmm. can buy separately to put them in. It's just, yeah. Oh, people have tried, but I've seen more people just give up partway through and <laughs> complete it. And yeah, so but, now but, but, there's but this that, massive... That happens in our Transformers fandom as well. 
Well, that's it. There's no end. That's the thing. Like we we're talking last week about um, having a having a your perfect Megatron or whatever. Every year there's going to be a new Megatron. There's going to be a new Prime. There's going to be every. Yeah, yeah, no, you're, you're right. But, and, and sort of, what is your, what is your? Okay, it's going to be G1 for the most part. Or if you're attached to a comic character or something, Jason, you've got that comic Megatron. Yeah. Well, if, if we're about to get to the end of IEW, if they do reboot or whatever's happening there, and we go into a new series, they do a new Megatron that you love. Well, and, and they will. But, but yeah. what I was, what I was going to say with that though, this is one of the reasons why I'm very happy. I'm very happy for IDW to draw a line under their universe because it means that's it. Mm. Like they've stopped creating new characters in that universe. And so like it, it draws, a, it draws a line under it for people. Who, and like, I hear this from people all the time. They're like, I want to start reading the comics, but I don't know where to start. And it's like one of the, one of the things about like, like IDW's Transformers universe is what 12, 12 or 13 years old now. And like, it's becoming like Dr. Who because yeah in terms of chronology, they start at a particular point and they go to this point here where everything is going to end. And like all of the books that we've had published are, are like around here. But then occasionally a book would be published that takes place here or here <laughs> or here. And then something goes here and then something goes back here in order to change something that happens there and then create a thing. And like, that's fine. And I still think that the best, the best order in which to read those books. And I don't know why people do this to themselves. I think it's stupid, but people will go, I need to read them in chronological order. So I need to start back here oh. and I'll, I'll read issue three of Dark Cybertron and then I'll oh, read God. issue 14 of More Than Meets the Eye because they take place in a chronological order. But uh, people have no imagination. They feel like they need to read things in chronological order in order to understand it. But I would much rather read the order in which they were published because... Yeah, because the publishing order is intentional. There's yeah, the publishing order is intentional. That. Things are revealed at a particular time. And, like, if you know what happened, you know, 10 million years ago on Cybertron, then, like, it, you know, it doesn't, it, it means that the, the characters quest late in the series to figure out what happened all this time ago. It just falls flat. He's like, well, I, I know this. Mm. Not to mention that in that future where they decide to go back or whatever they've got, X amount of issues past that point they go back to that they know what's going to happen past that point. Mm -hmm. if, if something's going to happen, it just builds that story even more. There, there is a there is a thing that like I, I like, um, and I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, or I've mentioned it in discussion with people. But I, I'm going to do it again. Like, um, uh, Joe Strasinski, the creator of Babylon Five, he worked a lot with Harlan Ellison, who. Uh, worked on the original Star Trek series, and he was a very accomplished science fiction writer. He also recently passed away, so uh, rest in peace, Mr. Ellison. But one of the things that JMS was so proud of Harlan for doing was that he would go and sit in a shop window with a typewriter, and he'd start and he'd write a book in that shop window, and he would go and he'd type, he'd put words on the page, and he'd go and stick that word in the window, the, that page in the window. And people were standing outside the shop and they were reading that page as he finished it. And he said that the reason he would do that is because he couldn't go back and revise what he'd written before because it's already there. It's already been consumed by the public. And that's kind of what happens with comics, right? Like comics, they publish things, they put that stuff out there and people read it and they consume it. But comics also have this little retcon button where they can go back and they can change change things and it's very common because it's sort of a bit of a sci-fi trope and stuff but like 
um i i I really i appreciate the i appreciate the showmanship of the trick because you're writing in front of people and you can't go back and revise what you did to make (laughs) it more convenient to get yourself out of a plot hole or out of a plot corner Mm -hmm. so i i appreciate that and like it's it's kind of the same thing like you know you're saying if if you if you read the events that happened five million years ago and then you read but then the issue that came before that issue isn't until like 200 issues into your reading schedule then like you've lost the impact of that moment of that reveal but also they they had time between that issue and that issue to retcon some stuff if they wanted to or or to to fix things up and change them but yeah like like i said i'm i'm looking forward to the end of the idw universe max you and i talked a little bit about unicron number five um last week and I read a I read a review of it this week, and I'm like, I cannot believe that IDW's fucked their publishing schedule up so much. Uh, there, so there was a reference in Unicron number five to something that happened in Optimus Prime number twenty four, which is out this week. It's God. This is like like serious, as good as IDW has been. This has been the issue for so long. But the, 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 this has been a problem. But this is a problem with Unicron specifically because. Issue number zero came out for Free Comic Book Day and it referenced things that didn't happen in the mainline for two more issues. And it happened months later. And it was like, well, it was like, you know, straight up, like, let's talk about it. Like, you know, Bumblebee's alive because Bumblebee was trapped in a black hole and pulled out and suddenly he's there in Unicron issue zero. And it's like, what the fuck? And this, this was the thing that was so confusing to us when we first saw the solicitations for Unicron zero because we saw Bumblebee on the cover and we're like, oh, I oh, guess he's back. That happens. Yeah, I guess he's back. And it's like, well, he is just back, but we don't know how, and we're not going to find out for two more months. Like, that's that's crazy. It's stupid. And, you know, I mean, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I think that they should have actually published Unicron as a, a universe-ending graphic novel instead of serializing it out over six months. Yeah, they'd probably be able to make more money that way, you know, because pe- people drop series partway through. Yeah, and that includes you know big event books. Like if they don't like it, they will drop it. It happens every time. You can look at sales charts. It's a steady decline for um ser- you know mini series of comic books all the way from yeah. issue one. It happens every single time. So they would be better off just doing that. But like, I, like I'm pretty I, I'm pretty adamant that like like the story that's in Unicron. I think it's starting to take place at the same time as the last couple of issues of Optimus Prime, but it's certainly not impacting Lost Light, except in the few wry asides. And I'm, I'm interested to see whether the last issue of Lost Light, being sort of a coda for the series, actually leads into Unicron at all. And I think I... You, you and I were talking about this the other day, like um, with the events that are taking place in Unicron right now and like... Um, fuck it. Let's just let's just talk about that the, about issue five, right? Like you've got all the seekers back together, helping to deliver Prime and uh, who else was it with Prime? Into Prime, and R- Prime and RC. Prime and RC into also, Unicron. What a fucking scene! What a great scene that, that was. was. But uh, but also at this point in time, I'm really missing Megatron because yeah, Megatron so much Megatron development. So busy over in Lost over in Lost Light, and it's just like. Holy shit, like the new heroic Megatron should have been attached to one of those seekers. Like yeah. he, he would have been right there with right there with Prime and RC riding fire into Unicron. It, it, 
the thing is, it's not even just I want these characters in these moments. It's you want these characters to talk again, like yeah, yeah Prime I mean, and Megatron. I don't, I don't want Prime and Megatron to never have another another shared word. Like yeah, especially especially given that Megatron has spent how many millions of years in the Functionist universe and he's come back a changed bot, and yeah. like how how good would it be to have a scene with Megatron and Optimus now? I think the other thing is, you know, these characters haven't spoken since what the end of Dark Cybertron. Yeah, you know, it's been so long, and like the things that they've gone through with Prime, you know, sort of leaning towards Megatron's, you know, ways and finding that that didn't work for him, and then, you know, Megatron, like he repents, he changes his ways, but then he finds out that if he had changed his ways in the past, if he hadn't, you know had had that ultra aggressive approach that he had done then things will be so much worse than they are mm, yeah so it's like how does he say yeah you know i sort of renounced the decepticons and i've tried to fix all these things but actually if i hadn't done this in the first place it'd be kind of worse you know it's these always conversations that you want to have happen you know you want to see how does rodimus live up to prime's legacy how does you know how does soundwave and megatron interact given how much they've changed in their yeah. respective companies since then. And it's like, you want I, I, these conversations to happen, but you don't think, don't think they ever will. There's one more issue of Unicron before the end of the universe. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, like, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I do wonder whether, I do wonder whether um, IDW will be tempted to come back and revisit some parts. Of it. And, and look, you know, since we're, since we're, but, since we're talking spoilery stuff, I do want to put out my theory that I, I put to you about the the visionaries stuff at the end of Unicron number five, right? Like the visionaries were on Cybertron and they helped evacuate everyone on Cybertron before it was destroyed to Earth. And now the visionaries appear to be in their own personal private heaven. And they've identified the fact, and also I'll just point out, I do not give a shit about the visionaries. No. But, um, <laughs> but, 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 oh, they've, but they've identified that they are on their home planet thousands of years before their known history occurred. And so I really wonder if that's the effect of being consumed by Unicron. We know that we know that this version of Unicron has some kind of a what was it someone said in, in uh, Unicron number five? Oh, he's got a black hole in, in the middle of him. Like what robot do we know that has had that happen before? Megatron. Yeah. But Unicron has a connection to almost every star in the galaxy and that's why they go out when he consumes a planet but is some is it is something is it something about consuming those planets that sends them back into the past via those black holes and is unicron actually idw's reboot mechanism it could be well i mean there's also the whole thing if they've very much established this sort of you know forward or backward travel in time mm -hmm. thing with you know full-size planets at this point so like you know, I don't want to be hopeful because I feel like I feel like you know, we may the most likely scenario for me unfortunately feels like this all ends and then we get a series that may just be generic, you know, evil Decepticons fighting good Autobots and it just. But I think I think that's okay as a reboot. It's like a palate cleanser, right? Yeah, I, like, I, like like the, the this is this is one of my problems with um this is one of my problems with Simon Furman's stuff is that. Simon Furman goes too big too soon, right? Like he'll take a he'll take a show he'll or take a show he'll he'll take a story 
from Autobots and Decepticons fighting on Earth, and then like within five issues, he'll be Primus and Unicron chasing each other across the stars as an origin story. And like, I actually want to see Autobots and Decepticons fighting on Earth for a while. Like, I don't need to have the big good versus evil on a galactic scale story told. And I'm glad I'm glad that Unicron did not happen in idw up until now like they they had a rule that they were never going to bring in unicron and they decided to bring him in to end it and so like i'm okay with that and um, i think the escalation uh, the escalation towards bringing unicron in has been good um but also like, like like i said i'm just i'm slightly suspicious that he might be their reboot mechanism yeah you know because i think the thing is you know, maybe you want to reboot the whole thing and have a good like a jumping on point for new readers but there's so much continuity here that maybe you want to make more of a soft reboot where you can just come back and touch on these things you know not make it central to plot lines going forward but i I, so i i feel like idw might express that they want to completely reboot everything but i think we might also end up with a few we might end up with kind of a star trek scenario where like we've got the prime universe and we've got the the J.J. Abrams movie universe where they are distinctly different timelines. and kind of, So I kind of feel like IDW is going to lock this off and go, right, that's, that's you know, IDW Prime, and now we're going to move into a different continuity and tell a different set of stories. But then at some point in the future, I feel like they might want to come back and revisit their Prime universe and see what happens. And, yeah, the other thing is also Transformers storytelling is uniquely long form. You know, not, not, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't sense, know that but it's, it, but I, I don't know that I mean, it's like unique. Think, like, yeah. I think comics do this all the time. But I think you know, tr- Transformers specifically, I mean, in the fact that we are still getting additions to, I don't mean like G1 styled continuity, I mean, literal generation one is still having additions for things like timelines and what have you, like, you know, all these years and mm, yeah. up to this point, like we're still getting this stuff and you know, obviously, it doesn't go back and affect it, but it's very heavily influenced by that pre-existing continuity. So, yeah, yeah. I, look, I, I think a lot of things come back to a lot of things come back to the original continuity, at least of Autobots and Decepticons crash landing on Earth. But I think a lot of things diverge from there as well. Like, you know, like the Marvel comics are very different to the cartoon, for example. Um, a lot of the generations toys they're very different as well like and where they actually give out plot lines and stuff they are very different like um titan's return had galvatron in it and galvatron was not a reformatted megatron in titan's return either and uh they like they they specifically called out galvatron in their you know like the the two paragraphs of plot that they gave out at the start of the toy line yeah i um i think the thing is it's all very varied you know so yeah maybe that is going to be the case with something but you have stuff like we really didn't get anything outside of the central like basically everything before rid 2001 was at least in some way linked to the original g1 cartoon uh well that was a tangent (laughs) yeah we that's been this entire show. I don't think we're getting into any news. I think we're just going for it. Yeah, no, news. We, we did stay off the rails, so no one's really committed to actually getting us on track properly. Yeah, we'll save that news. Those two news stories for next week. <laughs> yeah, close one. Close those ones down. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, what what do you think of the whole idea of it? You know, there's <laughs> something I was just mentioning again that it's it's all still connected, like to this day that like G one is still continuing forever. Well, I I sort of mentioned or commented on that with what we've been getting for Siege and how it's just, it's just, we're redoing the same, same G1 designs with a, a slight difference here or there where been past lines, we've had designers come in and add their artistic flair to a figure and still had some sort of G1 characteristic to it, but being able to design figures and do somewhat what they can. Where now it's sort of, we've got to do G1, we've got to do G1. It's just, it seems, I just feel it's going to stagnate the collectors. Absolutely. I feel like one of the most frustrating things about Transformers, um, the fandom as a whole, is that the central discussion surrounding everything nowadays is how much it relates to G1. 30 plus years, 30 plus years of releases, rebooting every three to four years, and here we are 30 years later, and everything is still compared to G1, where... There's so much else. (laughs) Mm. But even then, the other stuff is still, you know, linked back and pertaining to G1. Yeah, and you get to the stage where, okay, what the stage where in the late 2000s where... Those people who grew up with G1 now have the the funds and the expendable incomes and whatever else to purchase figures that remind them of their childhood. They're buying G1 figures, they're buying Generations figures or Classics or what have you. Now it's sort of, well, people nowadays, or collectors nowadays, grew up with Armada and the Unicron Trilogy or Animated, yet there's nothing for them. It's, I oh know, you're going you're to collect G1-style figures. There's nothing for you. As um, we, there's nothing for you what you grew up on. You've got to go back and experience what everyone else grew up on. And it's just we saw we we discussed this a little bit when insert name of company here done that um, Armada Starscream. Jason, you have that figure, yeah, make toys. It's like yes, why not? Why not go into the masterpiece Unicron trilogy stuff? It was such a controversial thing. It was like oh, they're doing something other than G one. Yeah, yeah, it would be. A lot of the figures, a lot of people that purchase that figure, Jason, I don't know, you're being a bit, little bit older, but a lot of people that would have purchased that figure would have grown up on the Unicron trilogy or that would have been their nostalgic pull or just realised it's a good figure and purchase anyway. Going back to what we discussed earlier, just, wow, there's some hype around this figure. I need to get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, I've still got him up on the shelf because he looks good. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I got to play for that at Pleasant Surprises Christmas party that year, and it's a great looking figure. We um we've gotten way off topic, mm. uh, and I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry if you fell asleep during the comic discussion, Brad. <laughs> I was I was I was keeping one eye open. <laughs> uh, look, I feel like we should get back onto the. Uh, I feel like we should get back onto the topic of other things that we collect, and like. Yeah. Well, we'll what, what what we'll do? We'll compromise. Go to the um, the other Hot Toys figure, and we'll rule it off that. Then we can I can discuss the other stuff. Well, in, I, was, um, I was gonna I was gonna see if Max wanted to talk about. Is this the other Hot Toys figure? Yeah, yeah. I'll briefly discuss this, then we can go into Max's stuff, and I'll leave the other stuff for Christmas. We got no. Yep. So yeah, as as we're saying before, like Iron Man, each year is a new number on the box. 
Um, four this year, they've cut the hair off him, put an eye patch on, so there's a new Hot Toys for <laughs> for Infinity War. But one of the other loves too. As, and this is definitely nostalgia where it, with the Indiana Jones trilogy, oh, quadrilogy, um, Temple of Doom is my favourite in the franchise. And when Hot Toys announced they were going to do a Temple of Doom Dr. Jones, I just had to have it. It's got um, a really long neck. There are some issues, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just that's, that's nostalgia. We've we've talked a lot of times about nostalgia, buying third party toys or even um, Hasbro or Takara release stuff that's just playing on that nostalgia, and this done it for me. So um, they're they're to be we've, we've discussed before when Transformers have uh, released or Prime One Studios and have done the the hundreds of dollar statues and. Um, not not sort of putting the money down on statues like that. Well, I have on Hot Toys, <laughs> so this is this is like your um, this is like therapy for you. No, I've, I've purchased Hot Toys figures. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they are like a guilty type thing, aren't they? Because they never feel quite right to handle. And they're always yeah. so expensive, but they just look that, so damn good. That Iron Man Mark IV and Gantry set I had was a $1,000 piece. <sighs> and just having that Iron Man figure in hand, it just it just felt like a, like there's no... like Maybe the new die-cast stuff that they've been doing, they've been releasing a lot of the Iron Man suits in die-cast, War Machine and all that, where you've got the weight, you've got the die-cast, it might feel worth it, but it's also more expensive than the regular release. But it's just... It just feels like... It feels like Buzz Lightly from Toy Story. Just, <laughs> there's no weight to the figure. The the paint, yes, the paint's nice. Later figures, they started having the helmet off, so you had um, sculpts of Tony Stark and all that, or even for Chris Hemsworth, like we've seen before. But it just for the rest of it, it's just cookie cutter. <laughs> and as you said before, Jason, it's just, yeah, here we are at Infinity War or Iron Man 3, and there's 47 suits and <laughs> yeah. 47 different paint jobs. But... Um, they're, they're, that's some of the stuff I've, I sort of, I've, I've dipped well out of the hot toy stuff now. And can look, can I, can yeah. I just say, like, you're talk, talking about this, like, his clothes look terrible. Like, they, <laughs> they like, need, hot toys they they have changed, like, they have increased and gone down in quality wildly over the last few years. Mm. Like, but, like, but look at, look at the pockets on his shirt, like, those are terrible. They're really bad. Yeah. I mean, this is an older release, though, isn't it? Uh, uh, yeah, I'd I think, say I think 2016, I'd say. Mm. Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Anyway. I, I want it to be like 2009 or something. Oh, no. No, it's not that late. I, I see this. Brad, yeah. why does Indiana Jones look like Kurt Russell? He hasn't got the hair. That, that <laughs> one... No, like, but, like he he does he does look like Kurt Russell. Look at this. That, that one's that one's not on Hot Toys. I, I, don't know I will tell you as well, much, there is not a single company that has wow. ever made a good young Harrison Ford likeness. Yeah, you, 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 are, you are correct because they've made a really good young Kurt Russell likeness. <laughs> look at him, old old Harrison Ford, like you know from New Blade Runner and Star Wars and whatever. They nail it every single yeah, time. That's young that's Harrison the problem. Ford, they can't get it. That's the problem with the sculpts. It's just yeah. some some faces are easy to sculpt, others aren't. Mm. I don't even with the the new they done a they done a Harrison Ford, 
Han Solo and Chewbacca two two pack for I think it was Force Awakens, and it's still it was better than what came before, but still you're, you're paying seven eight hundred dollars for those things mainly for Harrison Ford saying, "Yep, I tick off on that sculpt," and it's like, "Wow, <laughs> you really need that money." <laughs> I approve of this sculpture. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, that's that's some of the stuff. Mod Max, you've got some stuff as well to discuss. We'll yeah. we'll move on a bit. I mean, I suppose I can screen share it if you want to. If you've got um, the photos there, I can I can screen share it. Yeah, so we've got, so got something to look at instead of me rambling. Um, so my stuff is you know fairly varied, so I'm just gonna. Max, you know, hide, just... Max, hide your porn bookmarks. Por- <laughs> uh, yeah, close that down real quick. Swinging sixties, um, what? <laughs> Look, mate, don't kink shame. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so like my stuff is all it's fairly varied, but like there's a few highlights for me. So you now, while I'm trying to be more varied of stuff, I'm. You know, recently got rid of all my Marvel Legends figures because they're all fairly samey, but kept like just the X Men stuff because that is like absolutely a it's a massive part of you know what I remember from a child. That's more the core of what you're interested in, right? Yeah, like comic book wise, this these are the first comics that I ever read, and the ones that I follow the most to this day. So, like, you know, that's a really big thing for me, even though figure wise, have I told you about my X Men comic collecting stuff? No, I've never heard about that actually. So, like, so, like, I, I got into, I got into collecting X Men comics when um, Grant Morrison was writing New X Men, and like, that stuff was off the walls, bonkers, insane. It was fucking amazing, and like that, it was, <laughs> it, was it was the core X Men cast as well, right? And then Grant Morrison was nuts. I know Grant Morrison is nuts, and like, and then he finished and he moved off and. I feel I can't remember who came in after him, but um, there was a, there was another good writer, and I stuck around for them. And like they renamed the book back to normal X Men and started renumbering things like they did back back in those days. And like I I I walked away from the comic store one day. And it was like probably like three or four years after Morrison's exit and they'd been through a couple of different writers and a couple of creative teams and i walked away with the book one day and i opened it up i'm like who the fuck are these x-men like i don't know who any of these characters are anymore and i don't know why i'm still reading the book there are literal hundreds of them it's ridiculous yeah because they just rotate it through and the the other stupid thing is that when a new writer comes in they try and model the current iteration of it to like what they remember from their childhood. Yeah. So it's always like, is it a cycle? It's like, oh, that's, you know, like it was. Oh, you're a child of the 80s. You're a child of the 90s. Exactly like that. It's ridiculous. But yeah, like X Men and then also uh, Halo are basically the two, I guess, things that I have the same level of attachment to. And love for in terms of figure wise and pop culture wise like as transformers like that is you know stuff that i remember from growing up vividly but then stuff that also has stuck with me you know for so long and still get so much love out of question the um the x-men comic the other x-men comic figures yeah how how much different design wise are they from the early nineties cartoon? Did from they? The car- 
they they're like because there's all a whole bunch of different designs for all of them. So like, yeah. uh, like some of them like there's this rogue over in the back there that's like spot on to the nineties cartoon. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, that... Whereas like this Cyclops here is very much you know sort of uh, it's more sort of classic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, like. It's similar to, like she's sort of more Jim Lee, whereas he's uh, John Byrne, you know that sort of thing. Yeah, like, yeah. Magneto is really modern, you know, all that sort of stuff. So it varies between artist and era and all that. Yeah, yeah, like so. Then this stuff is also the uh, Halo stuff. Like, like it's a bit more, um, I guess, short shrifted when it comes to figures. Like. I collect like whatever I can from this because there really isn't a lot of good stuff out there. Mm. There isn't like ten. I, 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 yeah, I, I feel like Halo stuff goes in fits and spurts when there's a game. Yeah, but it, even then, like they they did it pretty well, you know, from Halo three through four. But the most recent ones, like the last two, they gave Mattel the license, mm. and I. But they, they, so they were also trying to launch it as like a cinematic franchise at the time as well, and so like, <laughs> kind of feel like, I can't, I kind of feel like they've they sort of went, oh, we're going to treat this like a big a big movie franchise, and now we're going to give the toy license to someone instead of going for more more of the collector uh, market. Yeah. I, I didn't didn't um, Todd McFarlane do some Halo stuff for a while? Yeah. So all of this stuff here, like this. Master Chief and Arbiter of Front, like these are all the way back, back from 2007. And those are the McFarlane figures. Hmm. Right. But then you have this sort of heyday, you know, a few years back where they'd license it out to companies like Play Arts. And, you know, so then you'd have this core lineup of McFarlane based figures, but then this, you know, really high end stuff as well, but just you know, give it sort of cream in a crop type thing. And you don't get that anymore. It's a bit of a shame. I feel, I feel like the um, I feel like that's kind of a thing that happens outside of Transformers, and to a certain extent, it happens inside Transformers fandom as well. Not fandom, but like at least in our market, right? Um, characters will get licensed in, to multiple places, and like Hasbro still makes the core the core figures, and like we're we're constantly lamenting that you know anyone that they license someone to, they're not allowed to actually make a, a figure that transforms mm. but um but you know like you've got these you've got these things where there's multiple there were multiple companies making figures for this franchise at one point and you know you've got a nice you've got a nice spread of figures from that because you were able to sort of pick and choose and like that's something that doesn't really happen in transformers them and like like you said earlier like flame toys stuff is starting to starting to or flame toys are starting to sort of come up and um make you know, sort of high-grade collector versions of these figures. And if you remember, a few months ago, I said, like, I feel like there's space for something above Masterpiece, and it turns out that that's kind of it. Yeah. But, like... Um, Flamethrowers is the only one that's really done that at all, right? Yeah, but I feel like I feel like they're doing it opens up the market for a couple of others to do it as well. And even Toys Alliance, like, you know, they're sort of pushing the boundaries of what they can do with a license because you have that sound wave they're doing that comes with a laser beak that actually transforms. Mm, yeah. Which mm. is something we didn't actually think was possible. Yeah, and that's like you said before, Jason, like getting MMC to do stuff that's more or solely comic-based and that, I think we've always seen that that license from Hasbro says, well, you can make this action figure, but it must not transform where that sound wave is... I, 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 don't, I don't know that Hasbro 
I don't know that Hasbro licenses things and says you must not make a transforming. Well, we've had the pen and the iPad, so. But what, tablet, what, what, so. what I'm saying is that, like, I don't think Hasbro licenses things with a condition that they can't transform. I think no. they just sort of wait for companies to come to them and say, hey, I'd like to make, you know, I'd like to license, you know, the Dinobots to make some statues. And I'll be like, cool, you can do that. Mm. Yeah. I think the, um, just one other quick point on this is I've noticed, especially in the last couple months, is like just how incredibly similar the Halo and Transformers fan bases are. Like, even though Halo's had about half a lifespan of Transformers, like if, less than that, the approaches, like in, in particular, the approach to things like art style have uh, by the community as a whole have like been near identical mm, where you yeah. know for the past 10 years or so halo moved away from this sort of classic art style like if you knew if you look at these newer figures here like this these look more organic like, right yeah so these are all like aliens like this mm. is an elite over here and this is an elite here as well is this modern version is much bulkier and this classic version, and they have like a different facial structure and everything. So there's this whole thing of like this shift in art style that a lot of people really didn't like. And so it there was a lot of parallels that you could draw, but you could, that I could see between between that and the whole shift from G1 to Bayformers, right? And so there, it was funny in like E3 this year they showed a trailer for a new Halo game which had like just this little glimpse of a classic art style. And there was just a little glimpse of a classic art style in the Bumblebee trailer as well. <laughs> and so it's like, there's a, a nearly identical response where people are like, oh my God, this looks, you know, just like they used to remember it. And, you know, this is the iconic look for these characters. It's, it's you know, quite an interesting parallel between the two, I found. Yeah, the, yeah. The other the other thing I think is interesting about Halo, right, is that uh, I'm not very familiar with the aliens in Halo because I never played it. I've never played Halo, although I do like the soundtracks. But my main exposure to Halo is actually Red versus Blue, and so but so Red versus Blue, like they're all they're all Spartan soldiers behind masks, and so like it's pretty damn easy just like an iron man um mm -hmm. just like an iron man figure it's pretty damn easy to make a spartan soldier and <laughs> and keep making a new spartan soldier over and over and that's i feel like halo over the years has done it's it's been fairly experimental with its franchise like instead of just going halo 3 and then halo 4 they did odst which is a very different a very different type of um, Spartan soldier in that uh, in that show as well, and they also in in the story they sort of tried to get behind the mask of the characters too. But yeah, like, sort of like uh, a family story. Yeah, yeah, it was, and and so like I kind of find that um, I kind of find that Halo. You, you know, you said Halo's gone through a very similar change uh, as Transformers has in its fan base, and it's like it's kind of gone from. It's kind of gone from making a very robotic Spartan soldier for, for three series of games into really broadening out its alien storyline. Yeah, well, especially given, you know, the original series, you know, much like classic Transformers, operated by the rule of cool. Hmm. Whereas, like, it's it's not saying, 
okay, you know, the main character, the Master Chief, right? He was never all that complex of a character in the main games. He was just there to be like a shell that the player feels and does yeah. cool stuff. And, you know, so the classic Transformers, very often in G1, they're not, there's not a whole lot of characterization. It's just like, hey, this will be a cool moment if Prime swings his, you know, laser axe at Megatron's laser um, mace. You know, yeah. that's going to be awesome. And so you, you've had this development over time where people have said, okay, let's take what people remember about this. But let's expand on it. Let's talk about let's, you know, talk about issues like, you know, in in Halo, you know, they talk about stuff like, you know, uh, child soldiers and conscription and all that. In Transformers, they talk about ideas of you know, political identity and revolution and you know, a means to an end. Like a lot of really you know in depth stuff. And you know, these franchises progress over time, which I think is so much of a draw for them. Yeah. Uh, look, I've been going on for ages, so I'll just wrap up. Uh, <laughs> I, I just realised quick... it took like twice as long as Brad. Yeah, I have a quick question. Um, hmm. you've, you, Max, you've got the X Men stuff and the Halo stuff. Being in the Transformers community and just knowing how prevalent third party and KOs are, and trans, how? Because even in like Jurassic Park, there's no, you can't, you can't steal the IP of a T Rex. It's a T Rex. Yeah whatever else but like he like how like this is all this is all official released x-men stuff and halo stuff from yes. that that per that company that owns the ip is there a massive um third party or ko market i think that sort of stuff transformers is a like beyond anything else has such a wider depth of third party stuff you know yeah. like you see it coming to the forefront recently in a lot of one twelve scale stuff and particularly in one six scale stuff. So like you can buy like I don't collect them, but you can buy like third party one six scale X-Men figures. Yeah. Right? And in Halo they're making third party games, which are actually, you know, similarly to some sort of third party Transformers type stuff is filling the void of that classic styling. Yeah. Right. So it's uh, it, it it's never been as prevalent in, I don't, I don't think anything, uh, collecting wise, as it has been in Transformers, but I think Transformers has sort of, it sort of started, the trend, and now that trend is very rapidly moving, uh, into other areas of collecting. I think it depends on the um ease of manufacture as well, like. Transformers are fairly easy to make. Like, you know, a lot of them have, you know, fairly square off parts and put some screws and bolts in here and you can manufacture, a, you know, a, a copy of a Transformer. Whereas like, you know, like if you're going to, if you're going to make a copy of a, an ex, you know, Marvel Legends figure, like I feel like it's a little bit difficult to reproduce that mold. Well, it's maybe a more complex mold to try and reproduce. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Um... I guess well, and list, list any listeners that are in the Star Wars or Marvel collectors that have KOs or that sort of thing, let us know. But yeah, it's just I'd love like I I also I've got Tron stuff and I'd I'd, <laughs> I'd love a recognizer and just third party stuff to buy. It's just one of those things where you got you got franchises that maybe aren't as widely spread, widely known 
or as big a box office or what have you, um, where you get a couple of release figures and that's it and there's nothing else. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I think it's or it it's such a variance between these comp- these franchises as well, where you know, in Transformers we're accustomed to this approach from fan based uh you know, from these fan based uh, projects, whereas it hasn't really it hasn't entered the uh I guess common discussion yeah, in a sense, in this quite in the same way in a lot of other fan bases. Which which seems weird. Like everyone everyone grows up with different stuff. Like I, I grew up with the the nineties X Men, and if I'd stayed onto the comics or whatever else, now being older, and if I'd stayed true to that, maybe design drawing, okay, well, there's no cartoons or anything happening. There's movies, but that's their own thing. You won't get in toy design, and we see now where people that grew up with certain things um, in the past and they are old enough to be designing stuff that they grew up on and either copying that or not copying, homaging that and um, and making their own figures to mirror that, whether it's official or third party. It, I just, Transformers seems to be wi- a wide, <laughs> wide base for that sort of stuff. But I want to talk about part of that wideness as well. There's something else that I experienced at TF Nation, which is, um, sorry, he's calling us fat. Um, <laughs> the so there's a there's a huge creative market in Transformers fandom as well, and like, yeah, you know, like you do see this in you you do see this in comics with like you know comic arts and stuff, but mm-hmm. there's a maker um contingent of transformers fans like people who make stickers uh and and this is especially true around the comics maybe less so around the original you know the original um transformers story but like uh so the the tf nation there was this space called the forge where um people who make their own stuff like they might make jewelry they might make stickers they might make pins um they would they had their own space that they could sell their own stuff. And so like their, so their tables were smaller and they were cheaper than the dealer tables in the main hall. And there's a huge, there's this huge camaraderie between, between all of them as well. Like they don't really see themselves as competing with each other, but also between themselves and the community. And so people will become quite fans of one particular person's things. And that gets us to the thing that I wanted to talk about here as well, which is still Transformers related, but in terms of, um, Things that I've things that I've uh, acquired to put into my collection. Um, uh, not that one. No. <laughs> Me, this one here. Um, I acquired this guy this week. Shockwave. He is a, he is a <laughs> no. Here's a plush whirl. So he's got that little. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. Body. Here's a plush whirl from uh, IDW's More Than Meets the Eye. Uh, except he has a little love heart on his, <laughs> on his thing instead because he is so cute. And see, like he's got he's got his rotor blades on the back and <laughs> antenna and stuff. But like he is super cute. And um, in order to so these these are made by these are made by um, uh, the person doesn't really like to put their name online, but they they they're, they're made through a, sh- a store called Shattered Needle, and um, nice. <laughs> She she makes them by hand. Every single one of them is made by hand, and so 
there's not a lot of these guys around. They are actually quite expensive. And I tried to acquire a Rodimus recently and um, she had advertised that they'd go up on her site at a particular time and go up they did and it was gone by the time I pressed order <laughs> sign. Well, couldn't, yeah. couldn't do it anymore. And so I, so I actually entered a raffle, or not a raffle, but um, a lucky draw. Lottery, yeah, lucky draw. Yeah, so yeah, yeah a, a lucky draw, and the prize was the ability to purchase one without nice. having to compete against everyone else. And so um, I put my choices down as Whirl and Rodimus, and I got Whirl. And so um, as I posted in the uh, in the discussion group earlier, he is a godless, soulless killing machine. So, um, <laughs> yeah. We'll say I think he technically right. started the war. Uh, yes, I think I think I think te- I think technically he did. So his face started four million years of war. Yeah, well, the ball, that's why I love wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't that, so much. Wouldn't that face? Wouldn't that <laughs> face? Start war? Well, the more I say it, I just think it should be green and it should be Marvin the Martian. Like, where's the kaboom? There's always no shattering kaboom. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that Roman sort of soldier helmet design on it. Looks fantastic. <laughs> I, I'm I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go on with a couple of things that I collect as well, right? Because um, do it, do it. We're, we're we're rapidly reaching the end of the the show because we've been on the air for ages. But like, um, stuff that I collect, sort of, I don't I don't actually collect any other toys, right? Like, I might I might dabble here and there in a couple of toys, but yeah, generally they're other things. And so, I wanted to sort of bring up some of the other things that I collect and. Um, oh, I didn't know I had that. Um, so, uh, my uh, Transformers is one of my hobbies. One of my other hobbies is um, working on a, an Android reporting we- a website called Ozdroid. Uh, and so, like, we do news and reviews and stuff. And so... Um, you, brought, you brought an iPhone X? <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> so, so when, when we go along to trade shows... Google puts on these um, little pin chasers. Oh, nice! <laughs> so you go to you know you go to Disneyland and you get pins, right? And so Google does the exact same thing. Now I'm just going to bring I'm going to uh, since I've shown you one of those pins, uh, that that, oh, wow. is, that is one year of pins. So what they do is at Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, which I keep I keep disappearing to at the start of every year in February or so. At Mobile World Congress, Google puts a set of pins on every exhibitor's stand. And you, you have to go around to every exhibitor's stand in order to pick up all of the pins. And so like, so that's one year's set. I've, I, do, I, I do have one year's set that I actually have mounted onto a, onto a frame, but I haven't put it up anywhere yet. This is one third of the 2018 set. Jesus Christ! Wait, did did you go around to every table and take their pins? I, I sure did. <laughs> I sure did. That's that's the 2018 set, right? What the hell? What so, the and so, so, so the reason they do it though is because what they're trying to do, and they do this because Google operates a partnership to run Android, right? And what they try to do is to get everyone who goes to Mobile World Congress to visit all of the Android partners and see what's new, and so. As you visit each stand and you get each pin, you get a sticker with each pin, and you fill it into your little passport book. Well, um, and then <laughs> when you finish it, then you get a prize for each page. There's a gold, a silver, and a bronze um, page, and and you win things for it. And like they're just little like Android related crap and stuff like that, or Android branded stuff. Like 
Um, the big prize the last two years has been a backpack. Uh, one of the minor prizes is like a drink bottle or a, um, you know, I've got this right here actually. Do I have this right here? Yes. Here we are. Or an, an oh. <laughs> <laughs> an Android an Android branded USB battery, which is metal. So yeah. <laughs> And bounces. Um, it, it does not bounce. Um, and so, like, so, like, Try yeah, this, we'll find out. So, no, I don't know what it'll land on. This was the um, this is the silver silver prize this year. the The bronze prize was a drink bottle. The gold prize was a um, a backpack. And so they do the, they do these little chases. And so, like, I've become a bit of a I've become a bit of an Android pin collector. And the fact that I started collecting Android pins means that when Transformers community members start making Transformers pins, I start buying Transformers pins as well because mm -hmm. like, well, <laughs> pins, I, I collect pins. And so you'll notice over the last few months, like occasionally I'll throw a, a post up in the discussion group with some new pins that I've acquired. And like on my seeker shelf, there's a set of, there's a set of pins that are sort of, they're made sort of wide with wings for, um, and there's they're made in white, purple, and um, white, purple, and blue for uh, Starscream, Skywolf, and Thundercracker. And so, so those got the whole set. Why not? Um, and um, so I've said, so the, I've got those ones. There's a there's a an, an artist who goes by the name Lee Bobowitz. Um, you'll see occasionally I post some pins that I've acquired from her stands. Or from her Kickstarters and stuff, and like you know, I've become a I've become a bit of a pin collector, which is probably probably it's probably worse than uh, collecting Transformers because like pins are something that someone can just go and snap their finger and make more of. Um, but you just showed that box and that handful of stuff. <laughs> you translated that into masterpiece figures, and that, and you've got a room full. <laughs> yes, that's true. So uh, there is a I, I, there's a, a year's worth of tra transformers. There's a year's worth of Android <laughs> pins that I haven't acquired. I've, there's a seller selling them on eBay, but that's 150 bucks for the whole set. And so like, I'm just sort of like, yeah, no, 150 bucks for pins that are given away free at um, at a conference is a bit much. And like, I don't think I'd like to do it. So sounds, sounds like Cole's minis. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, totally is right. Um, I do, yeah, that's the other thing I ended up collecting this year. Too. Yeah, I spent thirty dollars on groceries, so this one item is worth thirty dollars. I know, right? <laughs> um, but but so like, I think what I'm going to end up doing is when eBay has like a fifteen percent off site wide sale, I'll probably snap up those pins. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I, and like, I know I'll be the only one who buys them because I have literally had them on my eBay watch list for two years. <laughs> And they've been sitting there the same the same set with the same price for two years. Remember what I was saying earlier about people just piling stuff into their boot and then going away and coming back? Like that's what that seller is doing. <laughs> that could be a whole new discussion about items we've had on eBay that just have spent years in our watch list and never <laughs> never got around to purchasing. <laughs> Remember I said earlier that there's some shattered glass figures that I want to buy at the moment. They are sitting in my cart because I am actually waiting for a site-wide discount because I'm like, <laughs> I'm like this, these are 400 US dollars. Like, you know what? I would like 15% off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially if it's 10%. Like, like I was mentioning earlier, you know, where you have 
you know, like from third party figures or whatever you back in the day where you put like, oh, I'll put this on the list. This is something I'll buy down the track. And then eventually you get around to the time where like, right, oh, I'm going to buy this now. And it's like, I don't actually care anymore. I just. Do you, do you do this as well? Like you'll put things in your eBay shopping cart and they'll sit there for a few weeks. And then like one day out of the blue, you'll open the eBay app and go, what's in my cart? I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that. And just delete them. Like they've sat there for weeks. They're, they're like, no, they've not survived your current mood. There's some other hot new thing to buy or, yeah. event or actually end up not buying. <laughs> I, 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 worn off. <laughs> I am going to uh, make a suggestion. We have been talking for a good hour and a half. I think it's probably time that we... Um, mm. And it's time that we wound it up because we are actually recording late on a Saturday night and it is about to hit midnight. So <laughs> I actually need to get up in the morning to go to that garage sale that I was talking about earlier. <laughs> so I'm going to propose that we end it. I mean, we could always find another tangent. Oh, could, don't worry. <laughs> There's more there. We could, but I think we might go for tangents next next week, shall we? Yeah, we'll save it for next week. All right. Sounds like okay. a plan. Um, some brief, uh, some brief TCZA business. Uh, we are going to do the uh, Christmas donation drive. It's become a uh, end of year tradition. That's going to go live in two weeks' time. I am going to be opening up my house. Oh God, that sounds like a bad idea. Uh, it's going to be a <laughs> Sydney meetup next weekend. Um, and the weather, unlike today, uh, should be nice. Now, I'm not sure if you know, but like Sydney had uh, severe thunderstorms go through today. And like, if you look at my Twitter. You will see the definition of severe thunderstorms. <laughs> like, um, we had those past few the other day. They kind of sucked. That, um, when you say kind of sucked, do you mean like they weren't very good storms, or they, or the experience was? As in, good? they were miserable. Like they were just. Oh no! You so, yeah. so go to my go to my Twitter. I've posted videos. I even posted a live stream of what happened in Sydney this afternoon. Wow. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> There was there was just thunder and lightning constantly going over my house. Mm. Yeah, amazing. I was supposed to deliver a wardrobe this morning and hook the trail up, load it up, got the kids ready to go, and all of a sudden, rumble, rumble, look mm. over the back of the house and, oh, that's not good. Unhook the yeah. trailer, push it back in the carport, text, oh, I'm going to come tomorrow when it's not raining. <laughs> so I, I've, I've got this app on my phone called Brolly, and... Brolly is an excellent app that tells you when it's going to rain on you. <laughs> not when it's not, it's not like you're in Sydney and there's forecast rain. It's like, no, no, we're watching the bomb rain radar and there's rain heading for you. Yeah. Yeah. And not, oh, it's raining in Richmond or Surrey Hills. It's not, it's yeah, raining right above you. Yeah, not like that. It's like, it's coming for you. Yeah. And so, um, <laughs> I was talking with my I was talking to my housemate about it and, and my housemate was like, I'm gonna go watch some TV. Like I'll come back out when the storm hits. And so I started watching Daredevil because season three of Daredevil's out. And I picked up yeah, I picked up my phone and I've looked at Broly and Broly's like storm in five minutes. <laughs> as soon as I've read those words, I just heard this <sighs> rumble outside. And then my housemate came out of his room. And I'm like, did you hear the thunder? Because like there is a storm that's about to hit. And so we went outside and like we just saw these low, dark gray clouds just billowing over over my apartment block. And like I took a few photos. And then there was just this there was this one point where like we saw a bit of lightning, heard a bit of thunder in the distance. And then there was just one point where it was on. Are you looking at it now? I just went to <laughs> Netflix and Arrow season six is up as well. 
Jesus Christ. I gotta go. I gotta go. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, Sydney, anyway, Sydney weather was kind of shit today. Um, and tomorrow is apparently going to be just as bad. But, um, we shall see how I go with this uh, morning pilgrimage out to St. Mary's. All right, Brad's distracted. He's already started watching. Brad's All right, distracted. we're we're gonna we're gonna end the show. Um, thank you for listening. And like, it's a, it's a little bit different this week because there's not much Transformers news. We did allude to some Transformers news earlier in the show, and then we mm. forgot to do it. So, sorry. We might talk about it next week. Catch up with us on TransformersWeekly.podbean.com. Um, you'll find each of us in the Transformers Club, Club Australia Facebook group. I'm gonna cough. Catch the podcast on iTunes, podcasts, YouTube, etc. And uh, yeah, look, you'll you'll find out more information about uh, the the podcast and the club at transformerscca.com. Thank you for listening, and uh, yeah, we'll be back with we'll be back with some real Transformers news next week. Hopefully, Maybe. that or nothing happens throughout next week. And we have to. Find it depends on the news cycle. Look, at, at, at this point, if nothing happens next week, Brad's probably going to assign us all to watch Arrow season six. I will, will, will summarily kill myself. But yeah. I won't put anyone through that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everyone, and goodbye. Awesome. Bye. See you guys. <laughs>